Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Today we're continuing uh, Christianese. Have you guys enjoyed this series so far? So we're in part three today. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the Christian word prayer. Oh yeah. Christians and prayer is a funny thing. Because immediately if you are a Christian and I say the word prayer, I'm guessing that 90% of you are going to have sort of this feeling of guilt come over you. Because you know you should pray. You know praying's important. You know praying's a good thing. But not a lot of us actually do it. And it's not that I think because we don't think prayer is important, and we don't think prayer is helpful, we don't think prayer is powerful. It's just honestly, I think that many of us, um, in, in so many ways, have, have, have kind of succumbed to what the world deems as prayer being, and we really don't even have a clear Christian mindset or clarity on what prayer is. I mean, is it true so many times on Facebook if someone posts something, thoughts and prayers? Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And really, prayer has almost become this whole thing where we say we're thinking about you. Right? It's like we say, hey, thoughts and prayers, and it's like 99.9% thoughts and 0.1% prayer. Right? Where basically, when, whenever you say I'm praying for you, that can most of the time mean, hey, I'm thinking about you. Right? But, but here's the thing, right? I want today to make prayer, because I think, too, we can think prayer is something that is for super Christians, for, for those that are super spiritual. And a lot of us, we don't many times think we're super, super spiritual. We think prayer is for the clergy or prayer is for those super Christians. So here's what I want to do today. I want to make prayer accessible to you. And no matter where you're at in, in your journey, no matter if you've been serving Jesus for 50 years or you've been serving Jesus for 50 minutes, no matter where you're at, I want to make prayer accessible to you and clear up what the heck prayer is. Is. Prayer is simply communicating with God, right? And, and, and really, honestly, what we see in Scripture, this can have a few different forms. Prayer can be um, speaking. Why? Because God hears your words. Prayers, prayer can be silent. It can be from your heart because God knows your thoughts. Prayer can also be journaling. Some, some people write prayers. They kind of have a, a journal, and instead of speaking them, they journal them. Some, some people sing. When you sing, it can also be a form of prayer where you're kind of, of, of singing, and, and you're kind of singing what is in your heart to God, right? So, but the bottom line in all of those different forms is prayer is simply you communicating with God. Now, I think there's a few reasons why we don't pray, or that we kind of shy, that we shy away from prayer, and one of those is because it's hard. We don't just come out natural prayers. None of us enters into this relationship with God and then is like, "Okay, man, I got prayer figured out." Right? Why? Because it's hard to know what exactly to say. Like, how many of you guys you've started to pray and you're like, "Dear God," I got to check my Facebook. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, like, "Dear God." Hello, <laughs> how's your day? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, like we, it's like, it can be hard to find a time, right? Like how many of you, you struggle to find a time, especially if you have kids? Like it's, it's, it's hard to find a time. It can be hard to find a place, a place to just be by yourself and to be silent. It can be, it can be hard because of all the stuff you've heard and been taught about prayer in the past. Maybe your perspective on prayer was all jacked, morphed, and, and, and you just think that you know, prayer is only for, for a specific kind. But, but here's the thing, right? I think when you really break down prayer and you get right teaching on it, it makes prayer accessible and doable. Also, though, I think people don't pray because they just have no idea how to. You have no idea how to. And really, it's almost like pastors like us will tell you, prayer is important, you should pray. Pray, pray, pray to get through the day, right? Do that. But then it's like we don't even tell you how to do it. We tell you to do something that you're not even equipped to, to, uh, to actually do. And I just want to apologize if, 
if I've done that, which I've told us many times to pray, but I don't know if I've ever actually specifically broken it down for you and said, hey, let me give you a few tips and tools of how to actually pray. So today, I'm gonna back that up, not just tell you to pray, now I wanna help you and show you and give you a few tips on what it means to actually pray. And the prayer that we're gonna use today to kind of, of, of guide us, because if I was gonna talk about prayer from the whole Bible, that would be like a 52-week series. That would be like a whole year. So we're just gonna take a prayer that I'm pretty sure everyone here knows, and that is the Lord's Prayer. Everyone here probably has been, you know, taught the Lord's Prayer, knows the Lord. It's crazy how many people that don't even serve Jesus know the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but, but it's just because it's, it's, it's something that, you know, and most of the time it's said in some, like, systematic, robotic way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it's kind of like Morgan Freeman reading it, you know, or it's some, like, narr- narrator reading it. And it's just this dead, lifeless prayer that... We just pray, and once we're done, we just kind of like move on. But here's the thing, right? The disciples, the followers of Jesus, actually went to him and told and asked Jesus. So these are the 12 disciples that were following him, went to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Check this out. Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying. So Jesus is there praying, and it says, when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, can you teach us to pray? Lord, can you teach us to pray? Because Jesus is over here like calling down heaven and praying and the disciples are like, yo, I want to know how to do, do, do that. Like, I want to know how. And what we actually see here, Jesus then actually takes them and, and says, okay, you want to learn how to pray? Let me show you how. But also too, in showing them how, he also taught them how not to pray. And what we actually see here in Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, hey, let, let me, before I tell you how to pray, let me tell you what not to pray. Or let me tell you how n- not to pray. This is Matthew 6. This is Jesus speaking here. He says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. So Jesus is going in hard right now. He's like, don't be like them hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Have you ever been in church and you got those people? God in heaven. <laughs> Sorry. It says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what, you is, what is done in secret will reward you. It says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. You got those people, they just keep on going. And you're like, okay, buddy, when are you going to get done with this prayer? It says, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. And then Jesus goes into the Lord's Prayer. So what Jesus says here is two ways that you should stray from from is, number one, so you can be seen. So if you're trying to kind of just like learn how to pray just so you can be seen, because honestly, isn't it funny? Many times, if you're in a small group group or something like that, and someone asks you to pray, you are immediately thinking about what do other people think? Am I going to sound impressive? Am I going to say a good enough prayer that people are going to think I'm actually a good person or a Christian? We immediately go to, is my prayer going to be impressive, right? And Jesus says here, look, if you're just doing it just to be seen, you've got the wrong motive. If you're just doing it just so you can be applauded and praised, you've got the wrong motive. Secondly, though, he says, watch out that you don't say too many words. And isn't it true we think many times the best prayers are those that that do it well publicly and say the right words and say a lot of them? That's how we typically view good, good prayers, those that pray well, I wish I could pray like him. He's good in public and he says the right words. But Jesus says, yo, watch out for that. Because honestly, it's not about what you do in public, it's what you do in private. And it's not just about how many words you say, but it's what kind of words your weight, what kind of weight your words have. And are you trying to be impressive or are you trying to build relationship with God? So look, we're gonna walk through this prayer systematically. Because honestly, my goal for you, and the, y'all are going to gasp and be, like, and be crazy. My goal today is to equip you to be able to pray for one hour. So my like, John, I can't even pray for one minute. And you're trying to add 60 on to that? Are you kidding me? Like one hour of prayer? Yes, I want to equip you today to fill one hour of prayer time. Okay, why? Because here's the thing. When we see this prayer, this prayer, the 
Lord's Prayer, we actually see it broken down. Jesus is giving us and putting into us principles of things that we can and that we should pray for. So look, no, this isn't coming from some self-help Oprah book about how to be a spiritual person that just prays generic prayers. This is coming from, the, from Jesus. This is coming from him, the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is coming from Jesus. So let's listen and dive in together. First off, Jesus says this. He says, our Father. We're going to pause right there. He says, let me teach you how to pray. And he starts off with our Father. And I believe the powerful point here is this helps us to remember your identity before God. Why? Because I think a lot of us come to God thinking that it is some employee coming before his boss. Or it is some beggar coming before someone who is rich. Or it is some team player coming before his coach. And what Jesus shows us here is that when we come before God, we are not coming before a boss. We're not coming before some rich and powerful person. We're not coming before a coach. We're coming before our dad. And my question is, is do you see yourself as being a child of God? Do you see yourself as being a child of God? A.W. Tozer says this. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's the first thing that comes into your mind when you think about God is I am a child of my dad. Because here's the thing, right? Have you ever, you know, here's the thing, right? We're, we're celebrating Father's Day, and we want to celebrate Father's Day. And what I think one of the most important things that we could celebrate today is, is, is physical fathers, earthly fathers, but also celebrating our spiritual father. That we have a father in heaven that has given us access, not to just, not to just be, be distant relatives with him, not to just be a distant cousin, but to be a child of God. Do you understand and realize your identity in Christ isn't one of just this, this kind of like orphan? You, you are now a son and daughter of God. And have you ever seen a son or daughter that is secure in their father's love? I've got a couple. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Jackson, if you want to come up here, buddy. He needs a mic. Get him a mic. Have you ever seen a child that is secure in their identity as being your son or daughter? I love this kid, man. I stick it. I love this kid. So look, right? There's no one that has taught me how to pray more than this kid. Let me tell you why. Because this kid is secure in his dad's love. I make sure I tell him, and dads, you need to be telling your kids, I love you daily. Because your kids need to know your love is not earned. It's given. They operate from a place of love, not a place for love. And I tell this kid all the time, Jackson, I love you. I love you, man. And what it's done is it's created a secure place for him. So now, no matter where we're at or what we're doing, Jackson, give me, give me a few examples of what you say to me. We got Chick-fil-A. What else? It's... We got 7-Eleven. Exactly. What else? Can we get some sour Skittles? What else? Can we get some chips? Mm-hmm. What else? Can we get some candy? You can tell a trend here. <laughs> well, what are some other things that we say before you go to bed? Can you pray over me? Yep. What else? Can you help me with my homework? Yep. What else? Dad, can we throw the football? That's right. Do you see here? He's not scared to ask. He's bold. <laughs> Everywhere we go. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. 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 Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Dad. Can we do this? Dad. Dad, 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 Dad. This kid is not afraid to come to me 
and be like, hey, dad, can we, can we go here? Dad, can you help me here? Hey, dad, can you do this? Hey, dad, can you do that? Why? He is secure in his identity and who he is as a son of John Ware. And whenever you pray, if you view it any other way than this to this, your view of prayer is all messed up and you will never be bold. You will never come boldly into God's presence and, and ask because you will always think yourself as being less than when this is how God views, views you. You're my son. I love you. And some of you today, you've got to see yourself not as some beggar coming before God, not as some player coming to his coach. You, you've got to see yourself as being a son or daughter of God. And with that comes a boldness, a courage to say, hey, dad, hey, dad. Now, I don't always tell him yes. It's yes, no, or maybe. Right? And I try my best to make sure I give him what he needs, not what he wants. Because God isn't a, God isn't a sugar daddy. He's a father. And there's a difference. We can sometimes view God as being a sugar daddy, but he's not a sugar daddy. He's a father that loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you. Love you, Jax. Thank you, buddy. We had an agreement for, for him being a sermon, uh, a sermon illustration for me. We, I'm giving him a $10 honorarium. <laughs> that kid loves money. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about it. But here's the thing. Right? Romans 8 tells us this, that for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received, the Holy Spirit, has brought about an adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Daddy, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You've got to see yourself as being God's children. Why? It secures and reminds you of your identity. That you are, here's the thing, fully known yet fully loved. It's an incredible thought that God knows you and loves you. You're fully known and fully loved. I love Luke 11. It says this here. It says, this is actually Jesus talking. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What this is saying is like, look, even earthly dads know how to when our son asks for something, we're going to give him the good stuff, right? But it's, and, and it's like in the same way, if people who are sinful can do that, God can, I mean, I mean how much more does God do that? But what I love here is it says the Holy Spirit. You know what, the, you know what the, the Holy Spirit is? It is God's presence with us. Do you know, fathers here, the greatest thing you can ever give your family, your kids, is your presence. Is your presence. It isn't your presence, as in what you give them. Your family wants you. Your family needs you. Your family needs you present, emotionally and physically engaging to help mold and shape and, and, and take this, this family and bring life to it. And my encouragement to you men is that you, is, is, you know what, this is going to be shaped and formed in prayer as you shape an identity that is given by God, and you take that and give it and be God's presence in your family. Our Father, my prayer is that you'd see yourself as a son or daughter of God. Secondly, Jesus goes on, and he says, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name, right? This is worship. It's, it starts off with your identity and then goes into this idea of worship. Do you all know how, just, just, just how important it is for you to see how big God is? And you can spend time in prayer relishing in and seeing how big God is. Why? Because when God gets big, everything else gets small. 
every other relational issue you have going on, every financial issue you have going on, every psychological issue going on, every fear you have, anxious worry you have, fear of the future, regret of your past, when you get into God's presence and you see how big and recognize how big God is, everything else becomes small in light of God's bigness. And I don't even know if bigness is a word in the dictionary. I don't care. I made it up. You're welcome. Okay? So here's the thing. The worship is reminding yourself of who God is and his bigness. And y'all, here's the thing. I think the biggest issue we have many times is that our vision of God is too small. Our vision of God is too small. And what worship does, whenever you put on music and whenever you come in here on Sundays, the point of it is for you to see how big God is in light of everything else you have going on. Because typically our vision of God gets too small. But I think sometimes many of us, especially dudes, we get scared of worship just be honest with you, because I know I was there too, where it's like guys can almost think worship is like the Holy Ghost hop and hands in the air and, you know, this stuff. And, you know, you know most guys are a little more, sub, a little more subdued and that's kind of weird. And we're a little more rational than we are emotional. And so we can think worship's for the emotional ones. You know, worship isn't for guys like us. But, but here's the thing, right? Worship doesn't always have, have to be hands raised and singing loud. It can also be contemplative. And, and, and personally, what I found is that the longer that I've been serving Jesus, the more worship for me has, has become contemplative instead of hands raised, going up. And there, here's the thing. We shouldn't judge worship style. We shouldn't think, well, they're raising their hands. They're really worshiping. Well, well that guy's standing there with his head down. He's not worshiping. No, he's probably worshiping in his way. So let's stop judging. Let's just stop thinking hands are raised. But I would say this, if you're saying, God, I will never raise a hand, I don't know if that's good either, telling God what you are going to do and what you aren't going to do, right? Here's the thing, right, is, is you need to know the part of prayer is getting yourself into a place, into a posture, into a position where you start to see the, big, the, big, the bigness of God and you start to, to see how big he is and how small you are because everything fades in light of his greatness and his bigness. And typically, this is done with songs. Here's the thing, right? If you're trying to fill one hour, you can take a couple praise songs and put them on, and these songs remind you of who God is and the qualities that God has and the faithfulness of God. And here's the thing, how much stress would be relieved from your life if you were reminded daily about God's bigness? Because I believe, like I said many times, the issue is that our vision of God is too small. And what Jesus said here is when you pray, be secure in your identity. Spend some time in worship. But thirdly, Jesus says this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, for a long time I was confused about this prayer. I was like, what the heck does that mean? Like, your kingdom come, your will be done. What, what, what does that mean? And really, as I've kind of, of grown, what, what I have found out is Jesus came to bring a kingdom. Jesus said, I am the king, and I'm coming to bring a kingdom now that has, the, the, that has brand new laws and brand new ways of relating to people that has values that, that aren't of what the world's values are. And Jesus said, I have come to bring a new kingdom. And Jesus prayed Pray that the kingdom comes as it's done in heaven. Essentially saying, bring more of heaven down to earth. But essentially what he's saying is you need to be the vehicle that God brings his kingdom through. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What this is saying is, God, bring heaven to earth through me. Essentially saying this, work as if it all depends on you and pray as if it all depends on God, right? We have a core value at, at this church, and one of them is work as if it all depends on you and pray as if it all depends on God. Essentially saying this, look, we, we're going to pray, we're going to believe God, but also too, we're going to have to put feet and hands to the stuff that we are praying. It, isn't it true? You've got people, they complain a whole lot and do nothing. They complain about how bad the city is, how bad youth are, how, about, how bitch the city's going to dumpster fire, man. It's terrible, it's horrible. Then what they do is they complain more than they help build. At, 
And at this church, we want to be people that we're gonna believe God for greater things. We're gonna pray, but we're just not gonna pray. We're gonna put our hands to the plow and actually work to see this city restored and redeemed and to be more like, here's the thing, in Newport News as it is in heaven. In Newport News as it is in heaven. Essentially saying this church is here to bring more of heaven that is up there down here. Basically saying we don't wanna just Pray for it. We want to put our hands to the plow and say, God, bring your kingdom into this city through me. Form your kingdom inside of me and then bring it through me. And you know what? In your cubicles, in your families, in your sports teams, at your jobs, wherever you go, you are the living, breathing example and representation of the kingdom of God there. And you are bringing it to wherever you go. As Jesus forms his kingdom inside of of you, he builds it on this earth through you. This is a prayer of action, y'all. This is a prayer of not just, because honestly, so, so many Christians are like just holding the fort down until Jesus comes back. This world's going to hell in a handbasket. Seem to get away until I can, you know, don't want to be around sinful people. Just want to, Jesus is coming back. Maranatha. Some of y'all get, get that. But here's the thing, right? We can hold back when God is, and what this prayer is saying, get my hands dirty. Get me in the fight. God, bring more of your kingdom to this earth and do it, not just as I pray, but through me. Bring more of the qualities of the kingdom to this earth. More love, more justice, more peace, more joy, more grace, wisdom, unity, truth, kindness, and self-control are just a few of the things that God's kingdom brings that is formed in us, and then it is formed through us. So what we see Jesus saying here is, look, I've got a kingdom up here that I'm forming in here that I want to see happen down here. And so when you pray, it's not about Jesus getting on board with your agenda. It's us getting on board with his. And it is saying, God, bring your kingdom down here and equip me. Give my hand strength to do the work, to to have vision, to have strength, to see more of heaven brought to this earth. Our Father, you're secure in your identity. Hallowed be your name. You worship. Thirdly, you pray the kingdom of God down. And you say, God, form it in me and form it through me. Fourthly, it says this, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. What this means is focus on your needs, not your greed. Do you see that there? It says, give us each day our bread for the next 17 years. He says, God, give us today our daily bread. Think about how much time we spend focusing, worrying on what we don't have instead of thanking God for what we do have. And honestly, most of us here, many of us here, we have our needs met. And what stresses you out isn't your needs, it's your wants. And what Jesus says here is is pray not for your greeds, not just pray for what you want, Thank God and pray for your needs. Think of how much more kingdom value we could actually add if we focused our time and energy and attention on helping meet someone else's needs instead of just our wants. Because what, what Jesus says here is don't focus on your greeds, focus on your needs. Matthew 6 here, this is Jesus talking. He says this, he says, therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Isn't that what we worry about? Well, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? It says, for the pagans, thanks, thank you, Jesus, uh, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
And this is a verse we use all the time that I've heard Christians use so much. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, right? And what I have heard Christians do is take this verse here, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. And they throw in that word all as being like huge houses, benzes, and vacations, and anything else good. Well, I just got to seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added. Do you know what the context is whenever Jesus is talking here? When he says all these things, it's food and clothing. It says, but seek first his kingdom and all these things. And all these things, Jesus said, food and clothing. What is that? Your needs. It says, focus on your needs. And it says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of, of its own. Y'all, do you, do you know how much emotional, physical, psychological, and psychological energy we put in to the future in worrying and the past regretting? and how it pulls us apart and keeps us from enjoying and being fully present in the moment. And this is why I love Christianity, because Christianity's focus is for you to be in the moment. Why? Jesus forgives your past and forgives, and, and forgives, and forgives your regrets and secures your future so you can focus on the present, so you can enjoy the present. So you don't have to be worried about what's going to happen. Am I going to have this? And, you, you know, well, I did this and I did that. It says, no, Jesus says, I've taken care of all that so you can focus in the present right now and be fully present and be my hands and my feet in the midst of every situation. This is what Jesus does. He says, Give, pray for your daily needs to be met and be grateful and thankful and focus on what you do have instead of what you don't have. Then Jesus goes into some more stuff. He says, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And one translation says, and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is what do you need to ask forgiveness for and who do you need to forgive? So what Jesus says here is when you pray, include a time of asking God to forgive you of your sins and forgiving others of their sins. Now we're getting into some real stuff. Yeah, needs, got it. Oh, now you're talking about relationships with people. And I think Jesus, he put in place a pattern here where, you know what, you ask for forgiveness first before you grant others forgiveness because it's hard to give what, what you haven't been given. Right? For, for so many people, it's hard to forgive others without knowing you have been forgiven. And the order here, Jesus said, is you need to ask forgiveness for your sins. And here's the thing, 1 John 1, 9 tells us this. If you ask for forgiveness, God is faithful and just to forgive you. That's a promise from, from the, the, the Father. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here's the thing, y'all. You have to believe the gospel. The gospel is your sins are forgiven. And if you come to God and you're just like, oh, you never forgive me. You can't believe what I've done. I've done this over and over and over and over and over. Jesus says, confess it. Give it to me. And he's faithful to forgive you. Isn't that an incredible promise? That we don't have to keep begging, right? It's, here's, here's, here, here's the thing, right? I think some of us, we try to get saved every week. We can think we need to put hand up every time and, and receive Christ like once per week because we think that when we received him last week, it ran out. <laughs> the grace ran out. The mercy ran out. I messed up so much, it ran out. No, it, his love never runs dry. But all you do is just say, Jesus, forgive me, and he forgives you. But here's the thing, right? Does your sin grieve you? And, and that is why I think he tells us in, in your prayer time, think about, recognize, and pinpoint the areas where you fall short. Not so there can be condemnation. Not so he can tear you down. Not so he can tell you how bad you are. But so you can notice it so you can heal it. It's hard to heal what you can't name. It's hard to stop doing something you don't acknowledge. 
And that's why I think it's so important for us to take time in prayer and search our hearts and say, God, where have I fallen short? And here's the thing. I pray that your wrongdoing would grieve you, that there would be this almost godly sorrow in you that is like, I understand I fall short. Because here's the thing, right? Scripture tells us this, that it is God's kindness, it's godly sorrow that leads us to repentance. It leads us to finally saying, I need to change. And like I said, it's not guilt. It's not shaming you. This is you identifying where you fall short and saying, God, I need your help. And I think we could probably take some prayer time and examining and looking in and saying, God, where do we fall short? And I believe the Holy Spirit, he would be faithful to show you, not to bash you or put you down, but to pinpoint areas so there can be healing and there can be freedom brought to your life. But then he says, spend time asking God for forgiveness, but then spend some time thinking about people you need to grant forgiveness to. It's a tough one. Because some of y'all, I believe the biggest barrier to you and God is the barrier between you and someone else. Because Jesus even said, look, before you come to the altar and give your gift and before you come and tell God how awesome he is, if you've got something between somebody else, you go to that person first and then go to the altar and give your gift. Why? What he was saying was, is your relationship with others is a direct reflection of your relationship with God. And here's the thing. I believe if we spent, it's hard to hate people you spend time praying for. Wives, husbands, Right? Some of y'all, you're, you're at each other's throats, and they just annoy you, and y'all used to be in love, but now you're just angry at each other, and now you're, you're just, y'all, you know, your differences used to be awesome. Now they're terrible. Opposites attract. Then they attack. <laughs> used to love how he was this way or she was that way, and now you're just annoyed and just angry at each other all the time. And you're like, why don't we have any times of peace? Why don't we have any time? Dude. I tell husbands and wives this whenever we're doing counseling or whenever we are doing stuff, bringing them back together, you know, or you know what, they're having problems. I ask them, do you pray for each other? 99% of the time they tell me no. So then when we're doing counseling, I will say to them, hey guys, we're gonna close out. I want you to pray over, over each other. And I get looks like I've got 17 heads. I'm serious. Like, they're like, are you serious right now? And I'm like, yeah. Grab her hands, grab his hands, and pray over them, and pray, and pray blessing over them. And for some, it's the most moving thing that they ever do in counseling. But isn't it the easiest thing to do? Husbands, grab your wife's hands. Wives, grab your husband's hands and pray blessing over them. Pray over them what you'd want someone to pray over you. And here's the thing, right? I know guys were like, well, I don't know how to pray. There's a lot of stuff you do that you do not know how to do. There's a lot of crap you don't know how to fix. But you figure it out because you're a man, right? You figure it out. You figure it out. Well, prayer's the same way. Grab her hands. Pray some crazy prayer. Get better at it. God isn't up there. Oh, that's an F there, Johnny. You get an F on that prayer. He's up there grading you. He's down there cheering, cheering you on, saying, that's what I'm talking about. Be a man and love your wife. Pray over her. Protect her and speak blessing over her in the same way God does to your messed up self. Pray it over each other. And that's what, that's what I want to challenge you to do. Husbands and wives, if you're here and you're not praying together, I want to ask you to do something totally awkward this week. Before you go to bed, Grab her hands, grab his hands. It doesn't got to be impressive. It doesn't got to be great. Don't say, oh, it's got to be impressive. Jesus said it doesn't matter how impressive you are. It's got to be long. Jesus said it doesn't got to be a whole lot of words, right? But do it. I guarantee the stuff you think is so big, the issues you have with, whenever it's hard to be mad and over someone you're, you're praying over. But, but the point is this. You need to forgive. And you can't give it unless you've been given it. That's why I think Jesus said here, before you go trying to forgive people and it's gonna be hard and it's gonna be almost difficult without, with, with, and just in your own strength, realize, identify issues in your life so you don't hold someone else's issues over them in their life. Realize your need so you can give.
God, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. The biggest church in the whole world is this place, full gospel church in Seoul, South Korea. It's a million people. Like, up one million. Like, that go to their church. They have, like, 17 services on a, like, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's amazing. It's pastored by, that, by this guy, David Youngi Cho. And this guy is known all around the whole world. He's, he, is, he is a person of prayer. And there was this one conference, and, and Dr. And Dr. Youngi Cho prays for three hours a day. One hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, one at night. Y'all struggling with one hour. This brother prays three, all right? But everyone is just so impressed with his prayer life. Everyone's like, man, I wish I could be like Dr. Youngie Cho. Pray like him. And, and, and there was a church growth conference and someone was asking him, man, why, you know, how, or why do you pray for three hours a day? Like, what's going on? And, and David Youngie Cho, he was sitting there talking. And what he said was, he said, I, I'm not going to do the Asian accent because I'll, I'll kill it, right? But he He's, he said, well, actually, yes, I'm going to try because uh, it's fun. He said, I, <laughs> I pray for three hours a day because everyone thinks I'm so spiritual. Everyone thinks I'm so spiritual. Everyone thinks I'm so holy. But I pray for three hours a day because I hate so many people. He said, I hate so many people. He said, I have somebody turn their back on me and take 10,000 people from my church. I can't handle what I kind of hate. The only way I can handle it is to get into God's presence. See, he's praying for three hours. Everyone thinks, oh, he's so holy. He's so spiritual. He's like, yo, let me be real. I hate so many people. The only way I can keep hate out of my heart the only way I can keep a soft and sensitive heart is by receiving forgiveness so I can grant forgiveness. And y'all, this is it. Some of the people you hate, your boss, your family members, some of y'all, your parents, like those people that you've struggled your whole life to give forgiveness to, you will not be able to give it out of your own power. You will only be able to give it when you realize you've been given it and receiving it, when you identify areas, areas and things in your life that need healing and forgiveness from, and then you can give it once you've been given it. And that's done in prayer. And it's hard work, but it's worth it. So y'all, we got some points here, right? We got... We got points, right? We got our Father, remembering your identity. Hallowed be your name, worship. What's the next thing? Hallowed be your name. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? Like that's a prayer action do. And then you got forgive others as you've been forgiven. I mean, the, each one of these specific areas are an area that you can bring into your prayer life. But then Jesus closes out. He says, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. This is the final thing. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And really what I think Jesus is saying here, you gotta realize you're in a battle, y'all. You gotta get prepared and ready. Some of y'all are trying to fight without any training. Some of y'all are trying to fight this war, this battle called life, and you don't, you don't have any direction, any guidance. You're, you're just trying to wing it. And you've got to know you have an enemy, y'all. I, I know we... Per, you know, portray Satan as being, we can have the keyboards come up to hold me accountable. Uh, you know, we, you know, here's the thing, right? We portray Satan as kind of being this like dude, you know, he's got some, you know, pitchfork and some, you know, horns and he has a little tail on him. And, but y'all, we have an enemy that wants to destroy you. I can say it nicely or I can just say it how it is. It's true. We have an enemy that wants to destroy you. That wants you to not spend eternity with God that wants to make your life here a living hell. His goal is to bring hell to earth. That's his job description. That's what his website says. If Satan had a website, his vision and mission statement is I wanna bring hell to earth, right? And so we've got to know and realize that we are in a battle and there is some sort of spiritual warfare going on. I love what C.S. Lewis says, right? Because here's the thing, right? 
You've been to some churches, they're like kooky spiritual. Then you got some churches, they don't even believe in spiritual warfare at all. And C.S. Lewis says this here. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Here's the thing, right? I, I grew up, my mom would not let me eat Lucky Charms because of the leprechaun on the box. I didn't eat Lucky Charms till I was 13. Come on, man. Those are good. Because she was taught, you know, the box is symbolic. You live that into your house. You're letting demon leprechauns into the house. That's a little overboard, okay? And, and she, you know, she realized that. She understood that when, when I got older. She apologized to John. I, you know, I couldn't, wear, I couldn't play with He-Man. You know, she's popping the heads off of the He-Man. You know, um, Smurfs, couldn't watch Smurfs. You know, like, just, it's, it was unhealthy because there's a demon behind everything. But then on the opposite side of that is you don't think there's a demon behind anything. And you've got to use discernment. You've got to use wisdom. You've got to understand you're in a battle, but as a son or daughter of God, you've been given authority and power over them. But if you don't go to God in prayer and, and you aren't saying, because here's the thing, right? This is what scripture tells us, uh, Ephesians 6. My confidence monitor is no, more, is no longer giving me com- confidence. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Some of y'all are trying to fight spiritual battles with flesh and blood. You're under spiritual attack and you're just trying to, I'll just do things better practically. No, you're under spiritual attack. And you, you need to fight spiritual with spiritual and not practical with spiritual. And this is done as you spend time in God's presence. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, y'all. Like, I don't want to get, I don't want to freak people out here, but at the same time, I want to let you know that part of prayer is you fighting, and part of prayer is, is you saying, God, get me ready. Help me to know what the, the devil schemes. Give me insight so I can know how to fight and live and walk this thing out. Lo- I love what 1 Peter 5 says. It says this, it says, be alert and sober. Some of y'all just need to get sober. Just saying. Be alert and of sober mind. Like, like be alert and aware. Like, take, take the shades off. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's out there roaming, looking for people that aren't sober and aware of what's going on. You, you can resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Basically saying, look, you, you got a family with you. you got a family, and that's why you need the church because someone's got to have your back. So many of us are trying to be this lone ranger just going out there doing the thing. Yeah, when, when you're looking this way, you've got the devil prowling around here and you can't even see him. That's why you need people that have your back. So y'all, here's the thing, right? There are so many points to this whole prayer Jesus prayed. There are so many good things where if you break it down practically, this is actually doable. And here's the thing, right? I'm not saying go home and pray tomorrow for one hour. This anything. Here's the thing, you, you gotta know and you gotta take this and apply it to your own life and, 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 and you know, the way God is speaking it to you. But my heart in this whole thing is to make prayer accessible and doable so you won't just think about doing it. You won't just say, well, that's for someone else. Say, this is for me. How can I start practicing this right now? And God is patient with you. God is gracious with you. When my son is learning how to throw a football, if he doesn't throw it right the first time, I'm not like, you suck. Don't ever do it again. I'm saying, get up and do it again. Come on. Get up and do it again. And, and y'all, this is the way it's going to be in your prayer life. You're going to, oh, man, I, I didn't pray today. God hates me. No, he doesn't. Get back up and do it tomorrow. Man, I failed today. Why would God ever listen to me? Does he know what I did? Yep, he does. And you ask for forgiveness as a child of God and receive forgiveness. And get the heck up and move on and get better. Because he's not about guilt. He's not about condemnation. You are a child of God, people. If we would just stand up and walk in this secure identity of a son or daughter of God. Oh, Jesus. Here's the thing, right? Put this up. Put, put this last slide up. 
Prayer is an, it's not an obligation, it's an invitation. I want you to just to see your dad's arms open wide. And here's the thing, right? I know on, on Father's Day, for some of you here, this day doesn't bring up good memories, it brings up bad memories. And I'm very aware of that. And when I say view God as, as your father, what that does for you is you're like, well, if God's like that, I don't want nothing of that. But God is a perfect father. He is a heavenly father. He's the father you should have had. He, you know, here's, here's the thing, right? Don't let your perception of what a father has been here warp your, your, your perception of who God actually is as a father. And prayer is an invitation to us to remember your identity as how much better would your life be? How much more joy would you have if you relished eight minutes a day in the fact of, I am a child of God? How much better would your day do if you, prayer is an invitation to see and remind you of God's greatness and power. Prayer is an invitation to have the kingdom of God formed in you and then spread through you. Prayer is an invitation to be thankful for what you do have instead of what you don't have. Prayer is an invitation to receive forgiveness for your sins, but also grant forgiveness to others. And prayer is an invitation for you to game plan for the day so you can be aware of the devil's schemes and you can have your own plans prepared to scheme against the schemer. And each one of these, if you break it down one hour, it's eight, it's eight minutes each. I can guarantee for eight minutes, if you sat there and thought about the people you, you need to forgive, it would probably take more than eight, probably take more than eight, more than eight, uh, more than eight minutes. If, if you sat there and you thought about what needs to change in your life and the areas that God needs to pinpoint, it would probably take more than eight minutes. Do you see how this is doable? This is attainable. This isn't something for super Christians. This is something for you. And my heart today has been to Christian, get this Christianese out and to give you a formula, a pathway, an invitation to prayer that as a child of God, you can walk in. And I believe as we practice this discipline, that you're gonna hit a new level with God. You're gonna hit a new, a new, uh, a new relationship with God. Because that's what it is. Prayer isn't about getting something from Him. It's about building relationship with Him. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.